0: Chapter thirteen of the Vicar of Wrexhill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Vicar of Wrexhill by Francis Milton Trollope. Chapter thirteen.--Mrs Mowbray's Departure for Town.--An Extemporary Prayer. It was about nine o'clock in the evening of this same day that mr Cartwright was seen approaching across the lawn towards the drawing room windows, and that not only by Judy, but by the whole family, who were assembled there and preparing to take their tea. His daughter Henrietta was on his arm, yet still she rather followed than walked with him. So evidently did she hang back, while he, as evidently, endeavoured to quicken his pace and draw her forward. The eyes of the whole party were attracted to the windows. Mrs. Mowbray and Fanny, approaching different sashes, each stepped out to welcome them, while Miss Torrington and Helen were content to watch the meeting from their places on a sofa. "'Did you ever see a man drive a pig to market, Helen?' said Rosalind. "'In my country they do it so much more cleverly, for, look you, if that man were half as clever as he thinks himself, he would just go behind the young lady, and pull her backwards.' "'I am not quite sure that the scheme would answer in this case,' replied Helen. "'Look at the expression of her face, and I think you will perceive that nothing but a very straightforward pull could induce her to approach at all.' "'Perhaps she is disgusted at her odious father's presumption and forwardness,' cried Rosalind, starting up. "'If that be so,' i will patronize her poor thing look at her eyes i am positive she has been weeping with this impression miss torrington stepped forward and as the party entered greeted the young lady very kindly though she hardly appeared to perceive that her father entered with her she received in return a look which with all her acuteness she found it extremely difficult to interpret there was a strong and obvious expression of surprise in it and then in the faint attempt at a smile about the corners of the mouth which attempt however was finally abortive rosalind fancied that she traced a movement of gratitude though not of pleasure but over every feature a settled gloom seemed to hang like a dark veil obscuring though not quite hiding every emotion the difficulty of understanding why and wherefore she looked as she did was quite enough with such a disposition as rosalind's to make her an object of interest and therefore when mrs mowbray made her speech that she was expressly brought to hear expressive of hope that she would have the great kindness to console that part of her family who were to remain at home by affording them the pleasure of her company rosalind relieved her from the immediate necessity of replying by saying gaily she will and she must mrs mowbray for we will take her prisoner but i will promise as far as i am concerned that her durance shall be as gentle as possible it was now the vicar's turn to look astonished which he certainly did in no small degree and ran some risk of destroying the favourable impression which his daughter's look of misery had created by saying in the sweet tone that miss torrington relished so little henrietta my love i trust you will be sensible of and grateful for the amiable and condescending kindness of this young lady what the gloomy henrietta answered rosalind did not stay to hear for by a movement of that impatience with which she always listened to all that mr cartwright spoke she turned from him and walked out of the window She only stayed, however, long enough to gather a bunch of geranium blossoms, which she put into the hand of Henrietta as she placed herself beside her on re-entering. Are they not superb, Miss Cartwright? Miss Cartwright again answered by a look, which once more set all Rosalind's ingenuity at defiance. It now spoke awakened interest, and an almost eager desire to look at and listen to her. But the heavy gloom remained, while her almost total silence gave her an appearance of reserve greatly at variance with the expression which— for a moment at least she had read in her eyes helen was now in full assembly informed for the first time that she was to attend her mother to town had this been told her as everything was wont to be in the dear seclusion of her mother's dressing-room she would have hailed the news with joy and gratitude and believed that it predicted a return of all the happiness she had lost but now the effect was wholly different and though she mastered herself sufficiently to send back the tears before they reached her eyes and to declare in the gentle voice of genuine unaffected obedience that she should be delighted if she could be useful to her the manner of the communication sank deeply and painfully into her heart an answer having arrived by return of post from stephen corbald esq solicitor stating that commodious apartments were secured in wimpole street and himself ready body and spirit to do the lady's bidding mrs mowbray fixed on the following day for her journey miss cartwright gave one mutter beyond a tacit consent to remain at the park during her absence and the party separated fanny however declaring as she wrapped a shawl of her mother's about her head that she must enjoy the delicious moonlight by accompanying the vicar and his daughter as far as the park gates and return alone fanny said her mother why not dear lady replied mr cartwright her eye will not be raised to the lamp of night without her heart's rising also in a hymn to her lord and saviour and i am willing to believe that her remaining for a few moments beside her pastor and her friend while under its soft influence will not be likely to make her thoughts wander in a wrong direction oh no mr cartwright replied the mother i am sure if you think it right she shall go at this moment miss torrington was giving a farewell shake of the hand to henrietta when instead of receiving from her an answering good-night something very like a groan smote her ear how very strange she exclaimed aloud after a silence that lasted till the vicar with fanny leaning upon his arm and his sulky daughter following had half traversed the lawn towards the gate that opened upon the drive what is strange miss torrington almost everything i see and hear ma'am replied the young lady at what hour are we to set off to-morrow mamma inquired helen at ten o'clock my dear you had better give your orders to curtis to-night helen as to what she is to put up for you I hope we shall not be obliged to remain in town above two or three days. If you have anything to do in your room to-night, Helen, it is time to betake yourself to it, observed Rosalind, for, looking at her watch, it is very near midnight, though Miss Fanny Mowbray is walking in the park. Good-night, Mrs. Mowbray. But Mrs. Mowbray did not appear to hear her. Good-night, Mamma," said Helen, approaching to kiss her. She received a very cold salute upon her forehead, and a good-night, Helen, in a tone that answered to it rosalind took the arm of her friend within hers as they left the room together and a silent pressure spoke her sympathy but neither of them uttered a word that night either concerning mr cartwright's increasing influence or mrs mowbray's continued coldness to helen they both of them felt more than they wished to speak the following morning brought mr cartwright and his daughter again to the park a few minutes before the post-horses arrived for mrs mowbray's carriage and in a few minutes more everything was ready for the departure of the travellers Helen gave a farewell embrace to Fanny and Rosalind, while the attentive vicar stepped into the carriage before Mrs. Mowbray entered it, to see that as many windows were up and as many windows down as she wished, and likewise for the purpose of placing a small volume in the side-pocket next to the place she was to occupy. He then returned to her side, and as he handed her in, whispered while he pressed her hand, "'Do not fatigue yourself with talking, my dear friend. It is a great while since you have taken a journey even so long as this.' in the pocket next you i have placed a little volume that i wish oh how ardently that you would read with attention will you promise me this i will replied mrs mowbray deeply affected by his earnestness god bless you the lord watch over you responded mr cartwright with a sigh he then retreated a step and helen sprang hastily into the carriage without assistance the door was closed and before the equipage reached the lodges mrs mowbray had plunged into a disquisition on regeneration and faith the glory of the new birth and the assured damnation of all who cannot or do not attain thereto meanwhile the party left under the shade of the portico looked at each other as if to inquire what they were to do next on all occasions of morning departure there is generally a certain degree of désouvrement left with those who remain behind in general however this is soon got over except by a desperate idler or a very mournful residuary guest but on the present occasion the usual occupations of the parties were put completely out of joint and rosalind at least was exceedingly well disposed to exclaim a cursed spite that ever i was born to set it right she remained stationary for a few minutes hoping and expecting that the reverend gentleman would depart but as this did not happen she quietly re-entered the house and retired to her own dressing-room fanny then made a motion to enter also but took very hospitable care that it should include both her companions mr cartwright spoke not of going he even led the way to the library himself and having closed the door and put down the ever-open sash windows he turned to fanny and with a smile that might have accompanied a proposal to sing or dance said my dear miss fanny does not your heart feel full of kind and tender wishes for the safety of your beloved mother during her absence from you it does indeed said fanny shaking back her chestnut ringlets then should we not rejoined the vicar assisting her action by gently putting back her redundant curls with his own hand. "'Should we not, my dear child, implore a blessing upon her from the only source from whence it can come?' "'Oh, yes,' replied Fanny, with affectionate earnestness, but by no means understanding his immediate purpose. "'Oh, yes, Mr. Cartwright, I am sure I never pray so heartily as when praying for Mamma. "'Then let us kneel,' said he, placing a chair before her, and kneeling down himself at the one that was next to it fanny instantly obeyed covering her face with her hands while her young heart beat with a timid and most truly pious feeling of fear lest the act was not performed with suitable deference for hitherto her private devotions had been performed in strict obedience to the solemn and explicit words of scripture when thou prayest enter into thy closet and when thou hast shut thy door pray to thy father which is in secret and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly but though conscious that the mode of prayer in which she was now so unexpectedly invited to join was very unlike what she was used to her unbounded love and admiration for mr cartwright rendered it absolutely impossible for her to conceive it wrong and she prepared herself to pray with all the fervour of her young and ardent spirit there was a moment's pause during which a look was exchanged between the father and daughter unseen by fanny but had it met her eye it would only have appeared to her as a mystery that she was incapable of comprehending had rosalind caught sight of it she might perhaps have fancied that the glance of the father spoke command accompanied by direful threatenings while that of his daughter betrayed disgust and bitterest contempt mingled with fear mr cartwright began almost in a whisper to utter his extemporary prayer it first invoked a blessing on the little knot of united hearts that now offered their homage and then proceeded to ask in flowing periods for exemption from all dangers likely to beset travellers by land for our beloved sister who is this day gone forth in a tone somewhat more loud he went on to implore a special grace for the not yet awakened soul of the child she led with her and then his rich and powerful voice resounding through the room his eyes raised to the ceiling and his clasped and extended hands stretched out before him he burst into an ecstasy of enthusiastic rantings in which he besought blessings on the head of fanny it is impossible to repeat such language as mr cartwright and those who resemble him think fit to use in their extemporary devotions without offending against that sensitive horror of profanation which happily still continues to be one of the strongest feelings in the minds of christians not converted i e perverted from the solemn reverence our church enjoins in the utterance of every word by which we venture to approach the deity to such the unweighed flippant use of those momentous words let us pray followed as they often are by turgid rantings and familiar appeals to the most high god in volumes of rapid careless wordiness is perhaps the most offensive outrage to which their religious feelings can be exposed one might be almost tempted to believe that the sectarians who rejecting the authorized forms in which the bishops and fathers of our church have cautiously reverently and succinctly rehearsed the petitions which the scriptures permit man to offer to his creator one might i say almost be tempted to believe that these men have so misunderstood the word of god as to read use vain repetitions as the heathen do for they shall be heard for their much speaking but this much speaking with all its irreverent accompaniments of familiar phraseology is an abomination to those who have preserved their right to sit within the sacred pale of our established church and as it is among such that i wish to find my readers i will avoid as much as possible offending them by unnecessary repetitions of mr cartwright's rhapsodies preserving only so much of their substance as may be necessary to the making of his character fully understood while imploring heaven to soften the heart of poor fanny who knelt weeping beside him like a niobe he rehearsed her talents and good qualities earnestly praying that they might not be turned by the prince of darkness into a snare let not her gift her shining gift of poesy lead her as it has so often done others to the deepest pit of hell Let not the gentle and warm affections of her heart cling to those that shall carry her soul with their own, down to the worm that dieth not, and to the fire that cannot be quenched. Rather, fix thou her love upon those who will seek it in thy holy name. May she know to distinguish between the true and the false, the holy and the unholy. Amen, was here uttered by Henrietta, but in so low a whisper that only her father's ear caught it. He paused for half a moment, and then continued with still increasing zeal, so that his voice shook and tears fell from his eyes. Fanny was fully aware of all this strong emotion, for though she uncovered not her own streaming eyes, she could not mistake the trembling voice that pronounced its fervent blessing on her amidst sobs. Meanwhile Miss Torrington, who had seated herself before a book in her dressing-room, began to think that she was not acting very kindly towards Fanny, who, she knew, was so nearly childish in her manners as to render the entertaining company a very disagreeable task to her poor little soul she exclaimed between the manna of the father and the crabbishness of the daughter she will be done to death if i go not to her rescue so she closed her book and hastened to the library the sound she heard on approaching the door startled her and she paused to listen a moment before she entered for not having the remotest idea that it was the voice of prayer she really believed that some one had been taken ill and the notion of convulsions blended with the recollections of henrietta's sickly appearance took possession of her fancy she determined however to enter but turned the lock with a very nervous hand and on beholding the scene which the opening door displayed felt startled awed and uncertain whether to advance or retreat she immediately met henrietta's eye which turned towards her as she opened the door, and its expression at once explained the nature of the ceremony she so unexpectedly witnessed. Contempt and bitter scorn shot from it as she slowly turned it towards her father, and a smile of pity succeeded as she mournfully shook her head when, for a moment, she fixed her glance upon the figure of Fanny. Had the poor girl for whose especial sake this very unclerical rhapsody was uttered, had she been a few years older, and somewhat more advanced in the power of judging human actions, she must have been struck by the remarkable change which the entrance of rosalind produced in the language and manner of the vicar he did not for an instant suspend his flow of eloquence but the style of it altered altogether bless her bless this lovely and beloved one were the words which preceded the opening of the door accompanied by the sobbings of vehement emotion bless all this worthy family and all sorts and conditions of men and so lead them home etc were those which followed uttered too with very decent sobriety and discretion rosalind however was not quite deceived by this though far from guessing how perfectly indecent and profane had been the impassioned language and vehement emotion which preceded her appearance after the hesitation of a moment she closed the door and walking up to the side of fanny stood beside her for the minute and a half which it took mr cartwright to bring his harangue to a conclusion he then ceased rose from his knees, and bowed to the intruder with an air so meek and sanctified, but yet with such a downcast avoidance of her eye withal, that Rosalind shrank from him with ill-concealed dislike, and would instantly have left the room, but that she did not choose again to leave Fanny, who still continued kneeling beside her, to a repetition of the scene she had interrupted. "'Fanny,' she said, in an accent a little approaching to impatience. But Fanny heeded her not, vexed and disgusted at this display of a devotion so unlike the genuine unaffected well-regulated piety in which she had herself been brought up she repeated her call adding as she laid her hand lightly on her shoulder this is not the sort of worship which your excellent father or good mr wallace either would have approved fanny now rose from her knees and the cause of her not doing so before became evident her face was as pale as ashes and traces of violent weeping were visible on her swollen eyelids good heavens fanny what can have affected you thus what sir have you been saying to produce so terrible an effect on miss mowbray the prayers of the church in the discipline of which she has been most carefully bred up produce no such paroxysms as these mr cartwright come with me fanny and do endeavour to conquer this extraordinary vehemence of emotion fanny took her arm but she trembled so violently that she could scarcely stand "'Mr. Cartwright,' said Rosalind, with a burst of indignation that she could not control, "'I must beg of you not to repeat this species of experiment on the feelings of this young lady during the absence of her mother. At her return she will, of course, decide upon your continuance or discontinuance in the office you have been pleased to assume. But till then I must beg in her name that we may have no more of this.' "'Oh, Rosalind!' exclaimed Fanny, while a fresh shower of tears burst from her eyes. "'How can you speak so?' tell me my dear young lady said mr cartwright addressing miss torrington in a voice of the gentlest kindness did good miss mowbray on leaving home place miss fanny under your care no sir she did not replied rosalind a crimson flush of anger and indignation mounting to her cheeks but being considerably older than fanny i deem it my duty to prevent her if possible from again becoming an actor in such a scene as this fanny withdrew her arm and clasping her hands together again exclaimed oh rosalind do not agitate yourself my good child said the vicar i shall never suspect you of that hardening of the heart which would lead you to be of those who wish to banish the voice of prayer from the roof that shelters you nor shall i he continued meekly but firmly nor shall I consider myself justified in remitting that care and attention which I promised your excellent mother to bestow on you, because this unhappy young person lifts her voice against the holy duties of my calling. I shall return to you in the evening, and then, I trust, we shall again raise our voices together in praise and prayer. So saying, Mr. Cartwright took his hat and departed. The three young ladies were left standing, but not in one group. Miss Cartwright, as soon as released from her kneeling position, had approached a window and was assiduously paring her nails. Rosalind fixed her eyes upon the floor and seemed to be revolving some question that puzzled her, and Fanny, after the interval of a moment, left the room. Miss Torrington approached the window and said coldly but civilly, "'I am sorry, Miss Cartwright, to have spoken so sternly to your father, or rather for the cause which led me to do so, but I really considered it as my duty.' "'Oh, pray, ma'am,' "'Do not apologise to me about it. "'I do not wish to offer an apology for doing what I believe to be right, "'but only to express my sorrow to a guest in the house that is my home, "'for having been obliged to say things that might make her feel uncomfortable. "'I do assure you, Miss Torrington,' replied the vicar's daughter, "'that my feelings are very particularly independent of any circumstance, accident, "'or event that may affect Mr. Cartwright, my father.' indeed said rosalind fixing on her a glance that seemed to invite her confidence indeed repeated henrietta quietly continuing the occupation furnished by her fingers ends but without showing any inclination to accept the invitation rosalind was disconcerted the singularity of miss cartwright's manner piqued her curiosity and though by no means inclined to form a party with her against her father she had seen enough to convince her that they were far from being on very affectionate terms together a feeling of pity too though for sorrows and sufferings suggested chiefly by her own imagination gave her a kind-hearted inclination for more intimate acquaintance but she began to suspect that the wish for this was wholly on her side and not shared in any degree by her companion chilled by this idea and out of spirits from the prospect of being daily exposed to mr cartwright's visits rosalind prepared to leave the room but good-nature as was usual with her prevailed over every other feeling and before she reached the door she turned and said is there anything miss cartwright that i can offer for your amusement the books of the day are chiefly in our dressing-rooms i believe and i have an abundance of new music and in this room i can show you where to find a very splendid collection of engravings i wish for nothing of the kind i am much obliged to you shall i send fanny to you perhaps notwithstanding the ocean of tears you have seen her shed she would prove a much more cheerful companion than i could do at this moment "'I do not wish for a cheerful companion,' said Henrietta. "'Is there anything, then, that I can do?' resumed Rosalind, half-smiling, "'that may assist you in getting rid of the morning. "'You may sit with me yourself.' "'May I? Well, then, so I will. "'I assure you that I only thought of going because it appeared to me "'that you did not particularly desire my company. "'To say the truth, Miss Torrington, "'I do not think there is anything on earth particularly worth desiring, "'but your conversation may perhaps be among the most endurable.' besides it is agreeable to look at you you are very civil replied rosalind laughing perhaps you would like me to hold a nosegay in my hand or to put on a bonnet and feathers that i might be still better worth looking at no if i had a bunch of flowers before my eyes i should not want you no woman can be so beautiful as a collection of flowers but i shall do very well i dare say nothing you know lasts very long your father then i presume has taught your thoughts miss cartwright "'to fix themselves altogether on a future and a better world.' "'As to a future world, Miss Torrington, "'I must have better authority than Mr. Cartwright's "'before I pretend to know anything about it.' "'But I hope your distaste for that which we enjoy at present "'does not arise from its having been unkind to you.' "'When I was a child,' answered Henrietta, "'I had a kind of sickly longing for kindness. "'But now that I am older and wiser, "'I cannot say that I think kindness or unkindness "'are matters of much consequence.' that indeed is a feeling that must put one speedily either above or below sorrow i am below it it would be just as easy to say above miss cartwright and if you really have reached to a state of such stoical indifference i rather wonder you should not feel that it sets you above all the poor sensitive souls whom you must see longing for a smile and trembling at a frown because miss torrington i have constantly felt that in approaching this state of mind "'I have been gradually sinking lower and lower in my own estimation. "'I am becoming so hatefully familiar with sin and wickedness "'that I perfectly loathe myself, "'though assuredly it has ended by giving me "'a very pre-eminent degree of indifference "'concerning all that may hereafter happen to me.' "'Is it in your own person,' said Rosalind jestingly, "'that you have become thus familiar with sin?' "'No, it is in that of my father,' Rosalind started you talk strangely to me miss cartwright she said gravely and if you are playing upon my credulity or curiosity i must submit to it but if there be any serious meaning in what you say it would be more generous if you would permit me to understand you i believe you are aware that i do not esteem mr cartwright an avowal which delicacy would have certainly prevented my making to you had you not given me reason to suspect that i do not very greatly esteem him either said henrietta interrupting her exactly so and as i am deeply interested for the welfare and happiness of the family amongst whom he seems disposed to insinuate himself upon terms of very particular intimacy i should consider it as a great kindness if you would tell me what his character really is the request is a very singular one considering to whom it is addressed said miss cartwright and besides i really cannot perceive any reason in the world why i should be guilty of an indecorum in order to do you a great kindness the indecorum miss cartwright has been already committed said rosalind you've already spoken of your father as you should not have spoken unless you had some strong and virtuous motive for it how exceedingly refreshing is the unwonted voice of truth exclaimed henrietta rosalind torrington you're an honest girl and will not betray me for i do fear him coward that i am i do fear his cruelty even while i despise his power i think but lightly she continued of the motes that people this paltry world of ours yet there are gradations amongst us from the pure-hearted kind fool who like you rosalind would wish to spend their little hour of life in doing good down to the plotting knave who like my father miss torrington cares not what mischief he may do so that his own unholy interest and unholy joys may be increased thereby and so look you there are gradations also in my feelings toward them from very light and easy indifference down 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 to the deepest abyss of hatred and contempt i know not what power you may have here not much i should fear for though you are rich the mowbrays are richer yet it is possible i think that if the energy which i suspect makes part of your character be roused you may obtain some influence if you do use it to keep mr cartwright as far distant from all you love as you can mistrust him yourself and teach all others to mistrust him and now never attempt to renew this conversation i may have done you some service do not let your imprudence make me repent it let us now avoid each other if you please i do not love talking and would not willingly be led into it again miss cartwright left the room as soon as these words were spoken leaving Rosalind in a state of mind extremely painful. Through all the strange wildness of Henrietta's manner, she thought that she could trace a friendly intention to put her on her guard, but she hardly knew what the mischief was which she feared, and still less, perhaps, what she could do to guard against it. The most obvious and the most desirable thing, if she could achieve it, was the preventing Mr. Cartwright's making the constant morning and evening visits which he threatened. But she felt that her power was indeed small, and, such as it was, she knew not well how to use it having remained for above an hour exactly in the place where miss cartwright had left her inventing and rejecting a variety of schemes for keeping mr cartwright from the house during the absence of mrs mowbray she at length determined to write to him and after a good deal of meditation produced the following note miss torrington presents her compliments to mr cartwright and begs to inform him that having been very strictly brought up by her father a clergyman of the established church she cannot consistently with her ideas of what is right continue to make her residence in a house where irregular and extempore prayer-meetings are held she therefore takes this method of announcing to mr cartwright that if he perseveres in repeating at mowbray park the scene she witnessed this morning she shall be obliged to leave the house of her guardian and will put herself under the protection of sir gilbert harrington till such time as mrs mowbray shall return mowbray park thirteenth july eighteen thirty three this note she immediately dispatched to the vicarage by her own footman who was ordered to wait for an answer and in the course of an hour returned with the following short epistle mr cartwright presents his compliments to miss torrington and respectfully requests permission to wait upon her for a few minutes to-morrow morning rex Hill, vicarage july thirteenth eighteen thirty three nothing could be less like the answer she expected than this note and she might possibly have been doubtful whether to grant the audience requested or not had she not perceived with very considerable satisfaction that she had already obtained a remission of the evening rhapsody he had threatened in the morning which inspired her with reasonable hope that her remonstrance would not prove altogether in vain she determined therefore to receive mr cartwright on the morrow but did not deem it necessary to send another express to say so feeling pretty certain that the not forbidding his approach would be quite sufficient to ensure its arrival the evening passed in very evident and very fidgety expectation on the part of fanny who more than once strolled out upon the lawn returning with an air of restlessness and disappointment but rosalind was in excellent spirits and contrived to amuse miss carwright and even elicit an expression of pleasure from her by singing some of her sweetest native melodies which she did with a delicacy and perfection of taste and feeling that few could listen to without delight End of chapter thirteen